How about that? <laughs> Should I start over? No, I can't do that. That is way better. Thank you, Kyle. All right. So that was last week. If you need to recap, go back and listen to last week. You'll get the whole thing I just talked through uh, if you're watching online. Um, but we walk into Colossians chapter 2. And this is the key question, right? One thing that we wrestle with. What happens when you say, I believe in Jesus? I'm going to follow Jesus. I think there's two things that we kind of wrestle with. One is we kind of have this idea, okay, great. Uh, me saying the prayer or saying I believe in Jesus now gets me to heaven, right? It's my ticket. It's my, uh, back in youth group days, we'd be like, when we were on the ski hill doing our youth retreat, be like, it's your, your ski lift ticket to safety for you to get to heaven. And while it's true, sometimes we struggle because it stops there for us, right? Well, I, I said the prayer, I did the deal, I go to church every now and then, uh, I believe in Jesus, sort of, but now that means that I'm going to heaven, And so essentially, it, it, it becomes the place where we just like stop doing anything for Jesus because our, our future is sealed, right? The problem with that is the New Testament. <laughs> it, it speaks directly against that kind of thinking. Or we get to the place where we're like, all right, I believe in Jesus. I gave my life to him. I'm going to follow him. Now it's all on me to make this thing happen. Like, it's all on me to follow the rules, to sanctify myself, to transform myself so that I can be found in Jesus. The problem with that is the New Testament as well. But I feel like those are two paths that we can sometimes go down. And if you look at chapter 2, Paul's writing, and he continues his writing. He talks about the supremacy of Christ and all that Christ is. And then he says this. Um, he's talking about the beginning of chapter 2. We'll just read through these verses here. I want you to know how much I am struggling for you. I love the passion there. Like in, in another translation, it says contending. Like Paul is fighting, is struggling, is contending for these people. Who are you fighting and contending for? So that they may know Christ. My purpose, hang on. Technical note there, we forgot to turn off the water for the baptism. Is Kyle back there? Can someone go and drain the water a little bit? for the baptism. All sorts of amazing things are happening this morning. I heard this like swirling noise and I was like, something's not right. And I'm really glad I caught that. We all, we all would have been baptized here in a moment. Um, but where was I? I don't know where I was. Uh, Paul is contending, he is fighting for uh, these people, this church that he's writing the letter to. And so he's saying, my purpose is that may, they may be encouraged in heart 
and unified in love so that they may know the full riches and complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of Christ. He then continues and he says uh, in verse 6, So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Rooted, built up in him. Strengthened in your faith as you are taught. And overflowing with thankfulness. Paul's contending for the church. He's saying, look, this is my prayer. This is what I'm fighting for. That you, just as you received Christ, would continue to live in him. So yes, it's awesome. You received Jesus. Your, your future is sealed. You are going to heaven. But that's half the gospel. Continue to live in him. And then for all, there, all those out there that are going, oh great, I accepted Jesus, now it's all up to me to do it. It's all up to me to be perfect, to do the work, to transform myself. It's not. Why? Christ in you is the hope of glory. We talked about last week that when Christ is in you and you are in Christ, you have access to every spiritual blessing, every power in and through him, the same power that raised him from the dead. This is good news, church. Paul continues, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Through, we talked about this a little bit last week, in the church of Colossae, in the city of Colossae, there were these teachers coming in and basically saying, I've got the secret answer, I've got the secret potion, I've got the secret thing that will make your life better. Like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus, but I've got the secret thing that'll make Jesus more powerful in your life. And part of Paul's message is, look, there is no secret anything. Jesus, through the work on the cross, has made this mystery known to all, and all have accessibility to it. So he's saying, look, don't be deceived. Don't fall for the hollow teaching. Teaching that is, is couched and found in human philosophy and, and human ideas and, and permeate through culture. Don't fall for that stuff. Don't fall for the person that comes along and says, have you seen this new thing? Have you read this new book that has a secret knowledge in it that'll un unlock everything for you? There's this long lost letter of the Bible that you should read because that will make everything make sense. I I've got the secret. I have got the magic thing that you should follow. I've got the, the knowledge, the secret group. If you just do this, then your eyes will be open and you'll see everything. We, we've heard those lies before. And Paul's going, don't fall for it. The foundation is Jesus. It always comes back to Christ. And as you and I live our lives in this world, our call 
is to test everything with the foundation of Jesus. This might be a great idea. It might even be helpful, but is the foundation Jesus? Well, then I got to be real careful about following that or looking too much into that or chasing after that. Because our foundation, our hope is Christ. Always comes back to Christ. And through Jesus, we have everything we need to do what Jesus has called us to do. Paul continues, For the Christ, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. You have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and every authority. Like just think about that. Right? The fullness of God is represented in Christ. In, in John, it says, uh, He moved down into the neighborhood. The fullness of God is seen in Christ. And, and then Paul tells us, Well, here is our identity. Here's you, and Christ is in you, and that's the hope of glory. And then you are also in Christ. And, and so you're sitting here, and Jesus has the fullness of God. In him, and we also have the fullness in us because of Christ in us, and we are in Christ. How often do we live that way? How often do you walk around going, the fullness of Christ is in me. All power, all strength, all courage, all hope of faith is in me, working through Christ in me. Which means I have access to it. In him, you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who is raised from the dead. Yeah, you can clap at that. Yeah, one person is excited, too. Beautiful. Check on the water situation. Oh, yeah, we're good. So Paul is talking about, there, there's this Old Testament idea that was part of the Old Covenant, that as a symbol, when you are following God, you give your lives to God, you are circumcised. And there was a tension in the early church that that idea carried through to the New Testament. And Paul is explaining here, no, you, you don't have to get circumcised. This is part of the hollow and deceptive teaching that he was talking about earlier. Christ has changed everything. You don't have to do that. Christ has done that through the work on the cross. It's a mix of Old Testament law that's pulled into the New Testament. See, when you're baptized, it's not just flesh that's being cut off and removed. It's the death of your old self and the coming alive of your new self in Jesus. And it's not by your own doing. Because Christ is in you, that's the hope of glory, and you are in Christ. That is your position in life. That is your identity. 
for all the talking of our culture of how, you, how do you identify? What, what, what's, your identity, what's your identity? For a Jesus follower, this is our identity. Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we are in Christ. Everything else in our life falls second to that. Everything else falls second to this truth and this identity. And Paul continues, when you are dead in your sins, in the circumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. And he forgave us all our sins, having canceled the debt, the written code and its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us. He took it away nailing it to the cross and having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is the gospel. I, I want to just play this out a little bit. I, I don't know if this will work or not, so, so bear with me. But I, I just want to play this out a little bit because here's how it usually works in life, right? Like we could sit here and go, yeah, there's, I see me, I see you, I, I see that Christ is in you, that's the hope of glory. I see that we are in Christ, that's awesome, that's amazing. But Jamie, what about the things I still struggle with? Like, I still have thoughts. I, I still struggle with things. I still look at things maybe I shouldn't look at. I still buy things that I shouldn't buy. Like, like I try to buy things so that I'm happy. I try to eat things so I'm happy, drink things so I'm happy, go out party so I, I'm happy. Like, I do all these things uh, in attempt. Like, I still have these things in my life that I chase after, that I look to, to bring me fulfillment. So, so Jamie, how does that work? Like, like, I get this. But what do I do with all those other things? And this is the story of the New Testament, right? Throughout the New Testament, there's this idea. There is the flesh and there is the spirit. And we're in a constant battle. It's the thing that's already happened but not yet, right? We can look at this and go, yeah, Christ is in me. I am in Christ. There is a new reality, a new identity for me. But there's still also this flesh that I battle. It's the already, not yet. My identity has changed in Christ. But it's still also being worked out. Our salvation is also being worked out in real time. And so there's things like um, image, right? Image that we struggle with. And so that, that gets put there because we all struggle with image in various forms, in, in various ways, right? Uh, our image can be a very fleshly thing. I want to look a certain way so that I can impress others. I, I want to get the likes. I want people to be impressed and say great things about how I look, how I come across. I want others to see this perfect image of me of what a girl or a boy should be. I want others, when they look to my Instagram page, to be wowed by the experiences and pictures in my new kitchen remodel that I've done.
When I look in the mirror, I want to think I look good. Perfect, maybe even. I want others to see that I look good. When I leave the house, I want to impress people. When I'm at work, I really need for people to think that I'm uh, pretty great. When I'm at work, I want people to think I do a good job. I'm impressive with the work and the skills that I bring to the table. I want people to think that I am awesome. I need people to think that I'm competent. I want to be great at my craft. I want others to speak highly of me because all of that fills some identity inside of me. We could also go to uh, things like addictions or habits. I'll just write habits. Whether it's whatever your, your struggle is, right? Habits. Whether it's food habits or addictions, whether it's sexual addictions, whether it's food or drink habits or purchasing habits, uh, these things are often lies for you and me. It's a promise that the created is going to satisfy. That what's created is going to provide escape. It's going to provide rescue. It's going to provide meaning, purpose. It's going to satisfy my loneliness, my boredom, my grief, my hurt, my pain. And they just simply don't live up to the hype. We all know this. But yet this is part of our flesh that is battling against the spirit inside of us. Right? When we chase after these things, it often leaves us more lonely, more broken, more hurt, more wounded. And the simple reason is because we're chasing after what's created rather than chasing after the creator. See, these things aren't terrible in them of themselves, right? Some of these things are amazing blessings for us to enjoy. But Satan comes along and just subtly twists everything. So that what can start out is something that you're enjoying becomes something that you are now a slave to because you are looking for it to fulfill everything. I I think it was Mother Teresa who once said, we all struggle with sin. We all struggle with this fleshly side, but it doesn't, Uh, but just make sure that it doesn't become a habit. And here's the interesting thing about identity. Like, we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about how this works out in our life. But this is the message for today. This, these, don't define you. Jesus does. These, if you believe the gospel, like they have power, but at the same time, they have no power compared to Christ in you. Jesus defines you. Christ reorders our lives so that we run to him And he satisfies and fulfills and transforms our thinking and our being so that it is rooted in him. 
It's rooted and satisfied by the creator rather than chasing after all the things that don't satisfy. I'm short on time here. But, but I just want to say this in light of what Paul says in chapter 2. See, these things, notice these things aren't in there. They're outside. And so these things aren't things that become your identity. These are things that float on the outside that you can have victory in and from. And the accuser likes to come along and go, hey, look, hey, you got this image deal. That's your identity. Like, I'm going to twist it. I'm going to be like, if people don't look at you and say impressive things about you, if you don't look in the mirror and love what you see, if you don't get the likes and all the attention on Facebook, that means that you aren't that impressive of a person. That means that you aren't special. You aren't valuable. No one loves you. And the accuser loves to come and just point at some of these things. You struggle with some habits. Well, that is because you have no power. You, you, are, you are a broken person. You will never be fixed. You will always just be this habit or this addiction. The accuser loves to point these things out. And what does the gospel say? What does... The gospel say you are dead in your sins and God made you alive and he's canceled the written code with its regulations and was against us and stood opposed and he took it away and he nailed it to the cross and disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a spectacle of them. Paul in an earlier book goes, hey, yeah, I know these things I struggle with. I know, like my flesh, there's a part of it that's warring against my spirit. But guess what? That just shows that I can live into the grace and mercy of Jesus. And anything in me that Jesus does is for his glory. So this, yeah, I know. But guess what? That's not who I am. This doesn't define me. Jesus does. We'll talk about this beautiful language that Paul begins in this next chapter, and he begins early in this chapter. Put off. Put off these things and put on these things. For this morning, I just want us to camp out right here. Our identity in Christ changes everything for you and I. Amen? Amen. Uh, Tegan and Marley, can you guys come up? Tegan and Marley are getting baptized today. Yes. And I've asked Lissy to come up here uh, because Lissy has been leading uh, their college small group. So that is amazing. Like, Lissy's been discipling them, and they've been in that, and now they're the place. Yeah. Now they're they're a place where... Like, they just want to take this step of obedience. This step that, actually, we talked about today, right? 
Your old self is buried. You are made alive and new in Christ. So uh, Marley and Tegan are going to share their testimonies. Do you have the mic? Thank you, sir. Who wants to go first? Not mess with the mute again. There okay. we go. You're good. Um, hi, so I'm Tegan, um, and thanks. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> this um, this has been a long time coming for me. Um, I first want to say thank you for all the people that have um, you know brought me to this point. I mean, Lissy being my mentor and and the leader of our Bible study, Marley being a really big inspiration for me to grow, and my parents are in in the pews and my little brother and just everyone that have got me here. But um, I've grown a lot. Um, and I grew up very, you know, religious with my grandma, but I, I lost it. Um, I lost it as I grew up. Um, and kind of like what Jamie was saying, um, I, I was full of a lot of um, these sins that I was believing of, like never being good enough. Um, I was never a good enough runner. I was never a good enough student, daughter, friend, whatever it was, I, I never felt good enough. Um, and no matter, no matter how hard I tried to fill that void with um, something else, whether it was um, my, you know, my academics or how much weight I lost or how much I exercised, I, it, didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Um, and I reached some really low points and I came to college really scared, not knowing what, um, oh geez, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> I came to college, you know, not not really knowing um, how things were going to go. You know, I didn't I didn't have my support system like I did back home. Um, but I, I came to Renew, and this quickly became my home. Um, just everything here has been so great. Um, and I've, it's crazy to look back just a couple months ago when I first got here and think about where I was in my faith and where I am now. And I mean, I'm getting baptized today, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. Um, so, you know, this has been a long time, and I'm I'm just so I'm so excited and so happy to be here, and I'm I'm excited to be baptized and and wash the old Tegan full of you know self hate and and just someone who was so down on myself, and I'm ready to come up new and be confident, ready to you know share all of the good things and all the glory that God has done for me because I can't even begin to explain the grace that has been filled within me and the peace that I have now. So I'm so excited to come up clean. Okay, so um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and my parents would bring up, like, me and my siblings to church ever since I was a little little girl, but, like, and we would go to, like, Wednesday night classes, and, like, we'd go to church every weekend, but I never really, like, felt a connection with it, and I almost felt like it was, like, too good to be true, so my freshman year of high school, I decided that it just wasn't for me, and I decided to stop going to confirmation classes and stop going to church because I just, I didn't feel that, like, the whole Jesus thing was real. Like, I was just like, this, this can't be real. Um, and my sophomore year of high school began, that was when a very dark time of my life began. Um, I had some friends that said some pretty mean things to me, which led to an eating disorder because I just 
didn't feel like I was enough, and I was like, well, if they're saying this, then I got to look the way they want me to look. And I also got into a relationship that started out good, but then it turned bad pretty fast. Um, and both of those things took a really big toll on my mental health, and I was deep in an eating disorder and deep in a depression and anxiety. And um, when that relationship ended, I just, like, felt like I had nothing and at this point in my life, I, it had been, like, two years since I had even, like, thought about, like, Jesus or, like, going to church or being a Christian. And, like, kind of out of nowhere, I'm, like, maybe I should read my Bible. Like, it just, like, came out of nowhere. And I was, like, okay. I was, like, confused but also, like, excited. Like, okay, maybe this is what I'm meant for. And um, I picked up my Bible, and I was like, okay, I'm going to read it every night. And I started doing that, and I didn't really know how to go about reading my Bible, so I decided every night I would just open up to a random page and be like, okay, God, speak to me. So <laughs> there was one night, and I know it to the date, March 3rd, 2021. It was the night after my first therapy session, and I was talking to my therapist like during that session, like, I've been reading my Bible lately, and I'm like, maybe this is like something good for me and she's like well I hope that whatever you whatever you open up to I hope that like speaks to you tonight and what I ended up opening up to was Luke 12 and I read the verses that I read 22 and 23 which say then Jesus said to his disciples therefore I tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or about your body what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothes and I know Jesus wasn't talking to his disciples about body image in this point but that's exactly how I took it and I'm like okay well why should I care about these things when like life is really about Jesus and like what he did for us and that was like when like my whole vision kind of just like flipped. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to devote my life to God. And now, like, looking back at it, I'm like, I'm recovered from my eating disorder. I've done a lot of healing since that relationship. And I know that the only reason I'm at the point where I am right now is because I had God with me that whole time. And, and now, like, I like I trust God with everything that he's doing in my life he's making a lot of changes right now like I may not be at UW Eau Claire next year but I trust him with everything that he's like where everywhere he's bringing me even if I'm kind of like weary about it like I know that wherever he's bringing me that's where he wants me so that's why I'm getting baptized I'm ready to be born again <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let's continue our worship this morning. Uh, feel free to stand, clap, whatever you want to do, celebrate uh, during the baptisms, and we'll continue our worship. <laughs> 